Hello, it's Pastor Malcolm here, and welcome to our service for Sunday the 5th of December, which is the second Sunday in Advent. Advent is the time when we begin to look forward to celebrating the birth of Christ. Last week, we began a series entitled Crib Cross Crown. We looked into the crib to see that the baby Jesus was fully human, but miraculously fully divine. Jesus was God and man in the same person. This is because God came to us in Jesus to bring light into our darkness. Today, we're going to be focusing on the cross. It may seem odd to be thinking about the cross at Christmas. Shouldn't we save that until Easter? But the truth is that Jesus came to die. He came like one of us so that he could give his life for every one of us. He who is without sin came amongst us like one of us to give his life for sinners. Let's begin just reading a few verses from Isaiah chapter 9 and from verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then from verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth. And praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. Today we are looking at how the birth of Christ points us to the cross of Christ. Some would say that we shouldn't talk about the cross at Christmas. They would say that's part of the Easter story, not the Christmas story. Christmas is about the joy of new birth, the wonder of God coming amongst us like one of us, the incarnation. Some think that Jesus didn't come to die, that he came to bring life and show us how to live, and that it wasn't inevitable that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. But that isn't what the Bible says. The Bible is clear that Jesus came to face suffering and death, and yet bring salvation to the world. And so we're going to unpack those scriptures today. 
The first thing I want to say is that the name Jesus points to the cross. The name means God saves or the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, saves. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 we read, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We see clearly in that scripture both the name, the specific name Jesus, which means God saves, and the purpose of his coming, he will save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 2 verse 21 we read, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Jesus came with a purpose. He came to bring salvation to humankind. God's plan A was to have a people and a nation devoted to him that would model a new way to live. That's what the Ten Commandments and the subsequent other uh, commandments were all about. But we know that the Israelites in the Old Testament failed to achieve that. They, the plan, God's plan A succeeded only to the extent that it showed that humanity can never, in its own strength, live in the way that God intended us to live. Instead of Israel being a model nation, it showed their weakness and their frailty and their need of a saviour. They needed someone different, a special one, an anointed one, a messiah, one who could come outside from outside of humanity, step into humanity and save us from ourselves. And so Jesus, the very son of God, comes and the clue is in his name, Jesus, the Lord, the great I am of all creation, has come to bring salvation. Of course, we can ask the question, how will that salvation come about? Clearly, it cannot be achieved merely by being a good example or an inspiration. Rather, we find that just as in the Old Testament, where animal sacrifices were the means by which forgiveness and reconciliation with God could take place. Jesus' sacrifice is ultimately the means by which salvation comes to us. Through Jesus' sacrifice, no more other animal sacrifices or offerings, grain offerings, were necessary. Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient uh, for forgiveness, for new life, for reconciliation with God. In John chapter 1 verse 29, when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming towards him, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The illusion here between Jesus as the Lamb of God and the lambs used in the sacrifices in the temple is unmistakable. Many think that the lambs in the fields around Jerusalem, that the shepherds who came to see Jesus were caring for, that these were lambs destined to be used in sacrifices in the temple. They left their many lambs that were destined for sacrifice to come and see for themselves the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice who comes, steps into our world to take away the sin of the world. 
Again, the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians in Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In these verses, we see the incarnation of Jesus coming in human likeness, linked to his becoming obedient to death on a cross. The incarnation of Jesus through his birth and the salvation of Jesus that he brings through his sacrifice on the cross are inextricably linked. So my first point is that the name of Jesus points us to the cross. But secondly, the words of Simeon point to the cross. So in Luke chapter 2, verses 28 to 35, we read this. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign God, uh, Sovereign Lord, sorry, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about them, about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This takes place in the temple. So Jesus was circumcised and named on the eighth day after he was born. But then on the 40th day, he was presented in the temple, according, you can read about that in Leviticus 12. And Simeon, who has been waiting the revelation of the Messiah, sees Jesus, sees Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple and prophesies. He says, this is Jesus bringing salvation to both Jews and the Gentiles. My eyes have seen the salvation of God. This is exciting for him. But he also speaks to Mary and he warns of the trials that lie ahead that Jesus will bring conflict amongst Jews. He says the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And that Mary herself would face trouble and grief. He said, a sword will pierce your own soul too. So Simeon, even in the midst of this joyful moment, foresees the opposition that Jesus would face in his life and his ultimate violent death that would bring grief to his mother. Let's be honest, these aren't the usual kind of things you would say to a mother at a blessing or dedication of a newborn son or daughter. People like to think happy thoughts. They hope and pray that good times lie ahead for this child that is being presented before God. But Simeon speaks a word of warning of the trouble that lies ahead and seeks to prepare Mary for the grief that will surely come. In John's account of the crucifixion of Jesus, he records in John chapter 19, uh, and verses 25 to 27, these words. 
near the cross of Christ, of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, which we uh, take to be John, who wrote the gospel, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It's a touching moment that Jesus shows such care and love towards his uh, mother, but reflects the grief that reached Mary's heart, which Simeon had foreseen. As Jesus died upon the cross, his mother was standing there watching. Simeon had foreseen this, even as Jesus was presented in the temple. So the name Jesus points to the cross. The words of Simeon point to the cross. Um, The third thing I want to say is that Herod's persecution of Jesus points to the cross. So in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 18, we read this. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Sorry, that's when the wise men had gone from the, uh, uh, had had gone from seeing Jesus and Mary and Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. When the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised they had been outwitted by the, the Magi, he was furious And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi or the wise men. Now what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramach, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. In the verses prior to this, we had found the wise men, the Magi, bringing their gifts to Jesus. And one of those gifts was myrrh. You remember there was gold, incense and myrrh. And myrrh is a a, a fragrant, spiced ointment used to embalm the bodies of the deceased. Combined with the persecution of Jesus by Herod, there's no doubt the Gospel writers see that even amongst the miracles and joy surrounding the birth of Christ, The shadow of the cross is looming. The prophecy of Jeremiah referred to the Israelites being taken into exile and of them filing past the tomb of Rachel. And he imagines her heart being broken, her heart weeping as the uh, Israelites were being filed away um, from Judah and taken off to a foreign land. This was the consequence of their disobedience. And now Jesus comes. Jesus comes to bring salvation. And there is death and destruction in Israel again because of persecution by a foreign king. Death overshadows the birth of Christ. 
You see, in the middle of the narratives announcing new life, hope and optimism is the reality of sin, destruction and death. Christ came to bring salvation and that salvation will be achieved through sacrifice. Jesus came to die. But the anticipation of Jesus' death is not meant to overwhelm us with sadness and despair. The gospel writers are being realistic of what will happen, but giving us hope. There is darkness all around, but light has come. There is death and destruction all around, but our Saviour, the Messiah, is here. There is light. There is hope. There is the promise of salvation because Jesus is here. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we see darkness all around, death and destruction in the news. We thank you that Jesus is the light in our darkness and brings hope, life and salvation to us all. Almighty God, we pray for those who don't yet know you as their Lord and Saviour. We pray they will open their hearts to receive you and give their lives to you. Almighty God, we thank you for the birth of Christ, the cross of Christ, and that one day he will come again in glory. Help us to trust in you in the midst of the trials and tribulations of our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh, so that we may worship you with joy and delight at all that you are doing in, in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you this week. Gloria is going to uh, sing us out as she finishes off that carol, or Little Town of Bethlehem. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his hand. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. 